kids are uh, headed back to Children's Church, turn to your neighbor and tell them that they don't look like they ate too much turkey this week. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, we shouldn't be lying like that in church. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and get ready to go to the Word of God here in just a moment. Um, we're going to look at one portion of scripture. It'll be on the screen in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And then we're going to read a story in Acts, uh, the book of Acts chapter 27 and 28 here in a minute. So you can turn there and be ready to kind of follow along with me. But it's, it's good to be with you guys uh, on this day after uh, our, our first Sunday after Thanksgiving. We got back last night uh, from a, about a 2,000-mile road trip vacation and uh, then went back through Oklahoma and uh, visited family and, and ate our fair share of uh, Thanksgiving fixins, that's what we call them in Oklahoma, uh, to go with it. And uh, we had a good time, got back last night. We had a honor of having dinner with your pastor uh, before he left last week uh, to head back to India and uh, got to hear his heart and what was going on and pray with them uh, about this. And we've just continued to lift uh, their family up in, in our prayers. And I, and I know you have as well as God continues to move. And we're just anticipating a great report uh, this week from this last a uh, bit of uh, things they're going through, and uh, so continue to pray for them, lift them up. He did say that uh, he would be starting a new series on Advent. Uh, if you're not familiar with that term, Advent is just a season of expectation. Uh, we, we look at the season of expectation because it's the season of Jesus' birth uh, with Christmas time, and so he was excited. He said it's his favorite time of year, favorite thing to preach, and he said, so don't preach about that. And uh, I said, okay, I can, and he said, so just bridge the gap between Thanksgiving and, and Advent. And I said, I can do that, no problem uh, at, at all. But, you know, I was thinking about that. We had uh, uh, Thanksgiving, and then we have Black Friday, which really begins on Thursday, right? It's, it's not Friday anymore, it's Thursday at 6 uh, that that begins. And then you have Small Business Saturday now. They've jumped into to the holiday or, or the shopping day. Uh, then you have Sunday kind of squeezed in there, uh, and the NFL tries to claim it, NFL Sunday. Uh, and then Monday, tomorrow is Cyber Monday. So anything you didn't get in person or if you just don't like people to go out in person, uh, then you shop online tomorrow and get the deals. And then to wrap it all up on Tuesday, they now call that Giving Tuesday. I don't know if you've seen that yet, but that's the new name for, for Tuesday. And to me, that seems a little out of order, right? Because you're broke on Thursday, you're broke on Friday, you're broke on Saturday, you're broke on Monday, and then they want you to give on Tuesday. Uh, but maybe it's a good uh, way to kind of put things in perspective. After you spend all that money on Tuesday, you go, you know what, I need to give. Uh, to something greater uh, than what I've been, you know, doing these last few days of shopping. And so that kind of leads me into today's message and thinking about this season. You know, Thanksgiving really kind of gets looked over, if you think about it. Uh, in the stores, you have all the Halloween shopping and, and all the things that go with the fall Halloween. And then all of a sudden, Christmas stuff came out, like in October already. And, I, and everybody just forgets about this, this wonderful day squeezed in the middle uh, called Thanksgiving. And, and it's a day that, you know, many just are like, oh, it's a day off of work. It's a day we get to eat a lot of food. It's a day that many travel. It's a day of football because there's great football games on TV. But we forget really what Thanksgiving is all about. And, and it kind of gets squeezed in there because we get so amped up for the shopping that follows. And then what happens is we go right into the busiest season of the year. Do you all agree with that? December is crazy. 
nowadays. We, we, we have work parties and school functions and shopping to do and uh, food to cook and, and all of these things traveling to do. And, and, and before you know it, Christmas Day is here. It's just a fast-paced, busy month. There's a lot of demands on our time. There's a lot of demands on our money. There's a lot of demands on our energy and our patience and our emotions and, and all these things. And so, so we go straight through Thanksgiving, which to me is really a preparation for the season, if you think about it. Thanksgiving should prepare our hearts and our minds and our spirits for what this Advent, this Christmas season is all about. But yet we just rush right through it. And we, we, we don't take the opportunity to, to hear from God and, and to really see what God wants to do through this season uh, to where it's the greatest season ever, the birth of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior that we celebrate. I don't think we should rush through that at all. I, I think it's a time where we should pause and slow down and reflect instead of getting busier and going crazier and, and going through all that. And so there, there's, there's certain um, scriptures in the Bible and, and I don't know if you're like me, that sometimes I read them and I just go, ouch. You know, God, God gave us some things that aren't always just, you know, you're a champion, pat you on the back, everything's rainbows and sunshine. Sometimes God said some things that just cut to the chase, right? And, and he said some things like, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, right? Go the extra mile, love your neighbor as yourself, right? There's certain things that, that God gives us in his word that sometimes are great to, to talk about, but much harder to implement and to practice. And, and today's scripture and today's thought is, is one of those moments where I say, did God really say this? And if you look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, there, there's some phrases here that make you go, wow, God really said this. Look at the first one. Be joyful when? When things are going well? Be joyful when you have enough, when there's plenty? Be joyful when you're feeling good and healthy? Be joyful when there's no Facebook drama? Be joyful when? Always. To me, always means all the time. Say all the time. That's what always means. It's all the time, regardless of, of what's going on in your life. And then look at what he says. Pray when? When you feel like it. Pray when you have time. Pray when it's convenient. No, he says pray continually. That means nonstop. You should always be in a, an attitude and an atmosphere of prayer, in a moment of prayer. Pray continually. And then here's the one we're going to focus on today. What does it say? Give thanks when? In all circumstances. In all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you want to be in God's will? I think we all would say that. So to be in God's will, we got to be joyful always, pray all the time, and give thanks in all circumstances. And I, some of you, like myself, when I read these verses like this and I, and I kind of say, ouch, I think back to moments in my life where it was difficult to be joyful, where I found it difficult to pray through it, and it was really, really hard to give thanks for it. How many know what I'm talking about? And my mind, and, and maybe the enemy, takes me back to those moments to where it's like, woe is me, that was horrible, where was God? And I struggle in those times, and I think, thank God for that, be joyful for that, pray through that, there's no way. How many know sometimes our flesh comes out, and we're like, there's no way I can be thankful in the middle of that. But I want to look at scripture today, and, and specifically the apostle Paul. He had some pretty terrible situations in his life. And I know sometimes we like to compare our stories, right? And, and how many of you know people don't nudge your neighbor that try to one-up you? 
you kind of go through a difficult time and they say, oh, yeah, but man, I'm really this, right? And they try to one-up you so their situation's worse. So I'm not trying to one-up you today with Paul's life, but he went through some terrible situations. And he kind of one-ups all of us when we read his story. I want you to just listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, that means hit with rocks, not legalized marijuana. (laughs) Got to clarify that nowadays. We just passed that in Oklahoma that uh, you can, whatever. Anyways, it's another message for another day. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea, and I have been constantly on the move. He said, I've been in danger from rivers in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. And he said, I've been cold and naked. Now he just kind of lists his one-ups on us right there, right? I mean, he lists the things that he's gone through. But then listen to his words In Philippians chapter 4, I just want you to hear these today. He says, I know what it is to be in need. How many of you, based on what he's gone through, he knows what it means to be in need, to struggle, to have difficulties, to have challenges, to have trials. And then he says, but I know what it is to have plenty. And he said, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And he says these words that we can all quote, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The man who endured and experienced all this hardship and heartache still found it possible to say, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. So for him to give us this advice, this this encouragement this morning is pretty amazing. And what it does for us, just just high-level view, is it shows us that as a Christian, we can give thanks regardless of our circumstances. Regardless of what you're going through, regardless of what's happening in your life right at this moment, you can still find a way to give thanks. The Bible teaches us to, to focus our eyes not on the things we see in the natural, right? It talks about focusing our eyes on the supernatural so we can see what God is doing in the heavenly realms. Because how many you know God is always at work? There's always supernatural things moving and happening and doing, sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes preparing the way, sometimes protecting us and preventing us from things. But God is always at work even when we don't think he is in our lives. And, and so we have to train our eyes to see the hand of God at work in our life. And really what it comes down to is a trust, trust factor. We just have to trust and know that God is who he says he is, that his word doesn't return void, that he is God and we're not. And that even though we don't think God is in the middle of our mess that we're going through, God is at work in the supernatural realms. And we've got to train our eyes to focus on what he is doing and trust that he is working for our good. I mean, you know, it's easy to be thankful for things when they're going well. It's easy to be thankful when there's money in the bank, bills are paid, food on the table, roof over your head, you're feeling good, you're sleeping good, there's no drama at home, everybody's happy, everybody's getting along. It's easy to be thankful when those things are going on in your life. But as believers, as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to rise above those situations. We have to understand that that God is 
greater than those situations. And we can thank God because we believe he causes all things to work together for our good. All things to work together for our good. And if we're going to give thanks in every situation, we have to begin now. Don't wait till things improve. Don't wait till things get better. If you're going to be a thankful person, if, if Thanksgiving is going to be a way of life for you, then you must begin now. So turn with me to Acts chapter 27. I, I want to just go in depth for a moment uh, with you this morning at one of Paul's trials that, that he went through and that he spoke about. And uh, it, it's in a moment where he has been arrested. He's a prisoner. They're, they're taking him to Rome uh, to stand trial. And, and we get to this incredible kind of pause in the, in the story uh, because we know where he's supposed to be, what, where he's, what he's supposed to go through. But yet we see this beautiful story of God working out everything for good. So in Acts chapter uh, 27, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start reading at about um, verse uh, 14. It says, before very long, a wind of hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so they gave way to it, and they were driven along. As we passed to the, to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. When the men had hoisted it aboard, they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Fearing that they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. Verse 18 says, We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day, listen to this, they began to throw the cargo overboard. And then on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard. So the storm is so bad, they're throwing their belongings overboard. Now they're throwing their ability to get food overboard. Are you with me so far? It's getting pretty bad, right? With their own hands. Verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days. Think about that for a minute. I know we've had some rain and storms like that in Texas recently. Where it just seemed like it wasn't going to quit raining. (laughs) It rained for days. But they described it that no sun, no light, no stars appeared for many days. As the storm continued raging. Listen to this. They finally gave up all hope of being saved. And you don't have to raise your hand or anything this morning, but I think some of us in this room have been to that point in life where things have gotten so difficult. We've given up everything. We've thrown everything overboard, and we've given up all hope of being saved. Look at verse 21. It says, after the men had gone a long time without food, here's Paul, the prisoner, stood up before them, and he said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you, and I can just imagine this was quite a pep talk. I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So I can imagine these these sailors, these soldiers, are sitting there scratching their head going, have you lost your mind, Paul? Because we've thrown everything overboard, we've dropped the anchor, we've lost ourselves, we haven't seen daylight for days, we're going to die. And here you are saying, oh, just the ship's going to be destroyed, how are we going to make it? So Paul answers what they're thinking. Verse 23, he said, last night, an angel of the Lord 
whose I am and whom I serve, stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar. Remember, he's going to Rome to stand trial. And he said, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sell with you. Verse 25, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he has told me. But then he says the bad news. How many know that sometimes there's good news and bad news? Nevertheless, we must still run aground on some island. So no matter what, guys, you're going to survive, but we're going to shipwreck. That's what he's telling him. He gives him this great pep talk. They're kind of getting on board, and he goes, but, but, but. We're still going to wreck. The ship's going to hit ground. It's, it's not going to be good. So look at verse 27. On the 14th night, two weeks later, they were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight they sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings. You know, they put things in the water to see how deep the, the, the water was. And they were 120 feet deep. Short time later, they took soundings. They found they were 90 feet deep. Fearing they were going to hit against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and they just prayed for daylight. Anyone ever had one of those nights where you just, you just prayed for daylight? God, let the next day get here. So they prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors then let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. But then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, they cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat, and they let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last two weeks, you've been in constant suspense. You've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. And then I love this. Not one of you will lose a single hair on your head. Wow. After he said this, he took bread, and what did he do? He gave thanks to God. Can you imagine in the middle of all this chaos that they paused and he gave thanks to God? We don't have any excuses to not pause and give thanks in the middle of our circumstances and our storms. He broke the bread, he began to eat, and they were all encouraged and ate food for themselves. Now listen to this. This gives us context. And I think, I think God does this on purpose because we've read this incredible story. Paul said, all of you will be saved. None of you will lose a hair on your head. We're all going to stay on the ship. But look at this. All together, there were 276 men on board. 276 people had to catch hold of this vision, this word, this promise, this hope, and hold on to it. And it said they had eaten as much as they wanted. They lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. Now here where the story changes. Verse 39, daylight came. They didn't recognize the land, the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach. They decided to run aground the ship. They cut loose the anchors, left them in the sea, and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. They hoisted the foresail to the wind, and they made it for the beach. But the strip struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. So now the soldiers, they're panicking again. Right, They just had this incredible moment of peace and calmness, and they, they broke bread together. They gave thanks. There was just this moment of peace. And I mean, you know, sometimes when you go through a difficult season, it seems like things get better. But then things take a turn for the worse, and that's what happened. So the soldiers planned to kill the prisoners, prevent them from swimming away and escaping. But the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard and get to the land. And then look at verse 44, the rest 
were to get there on planks or on pieces of the ship in this way, everyone, everybody say everyone, reached land in safety. Everyone, all 276 men found a piece of wood, a plank of wood, something to make it to the sea. So here's the first point I want us to, to get from this today. We've got to hold on to the words and to the promises of God. The word of God, the promises of God will sustain you in the middle of your storm. They'll get you through it. They'll encourage you. They'll, they'll build you up. And see, Paul went to them in verse 23, and he told them, this is what God says. An angel of the Lord showed up, who I serve, and he stood behind, beside me. And he said, do not be afraid. And, you know, God is saying those things to you. And it's easy to get your blinders on when you're going through the middle of a mess and forget the promises and the the word of God and the plans of God. But we've got to go back and say, this is what God says. We've got to hold on to those words, hold on to that promise. You ever heard the story of Corey Ten Boom? Incredible testimony. In her book, The Hiding Place, she talks about an incident that taught her this principle. Her sister Betsy, they were in this transfer to the worst uh, German prison camp they had ever heard about, Ravensbrück. And they were put in these barracks, and the, the living conditions were just deplorable. And one of the things that was really bad is it was infested with fleas. The, their barracks were. And so they still read their scripture, and in that morning, particular morning of scripture, they got to First Thessalonians chapter 5 that we read about this morning. Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. And Betsy told Corey to stop and thank the Lord for every detail of their new living quarters. <clears throat> and Corey, at first, just flat out refused. She said, I am not giving thanks for fleas. But her sister Betsy just persisted, give thanks in all circumstances, in all things. And so finally, Corey gave in. And so months later, they continued to give thanks for these fleas and for these circumstances. And months later, it hit them. And they were surprised to find out that they were openly holding Bible studies. They were openly praying for people and holding these prayer meetings, and the guards weren't interfering at all. And several months later, it's when they found out that the guards would not enter the barracks because of the fleece. You see, God is at work in all things. God has purposes and plans for things that we don't always understand, but I do know this, God has promised good things for us. And it comes down to a choice that we have to make when we're going through that trial or that storm or whatever it is that we can hold on to the word of God or we can give credit to the conditions around us. And too many times I hear spirit-filled believers, when they're going through a difficult time, all they do is talk about their circumstances. The doctor said this. The report said this. I feel this. I'm dealing with this. They said that. And all they do is talk about their circumstances. And I want to ask you, what does God say? about your situation. We got to quit giving credit to the conditions around us and give all the glory and honor to God whom all the praise and honor is due. And how many of you know there is power in speaking the word of God over your life? There's power in speaking the word of God over your situation. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he that is in me than anything that is in this world. If God is for us, who can be against us? There's power in speaking the word of God over your life and over your situation because God is so good to us. He is so good to us. And giving thanks, even in the middle of difficult times, forces us to look at things through God's eyes and acknowledge 
his supremacy and his role in our lives. He's not a hands-off God. He's not a just throw us out there and hope it works out and good luck to you kind of God. He's a hands-on God. He's a, he's a, he's a committed father. He's involved in the daily lives of his children. He's committed to our well-being. And we have to pause sometimes and remember to give thanks because sometimes we take God for granted. We take his goodness for granted. We take his blessings for granted. Somebody posted something the other day and they said, if you only had what you, in your life tomorrow, what you prayed for yesterday, what would you have in your life? I thought that was, that was an ouch moment. Think about that. What are you thanking God for? Here's the second point this morning that I want us to see. Stay focused on those around you. Stay focused on those around you. In verse 31, we see Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. How many of you know in the middle of all this, Paul just could have said, hey, I've got the word of the Lord. I'm going to be good. Paul could have been very selfish in that moment and said, I know I'm safe. But then you see down at, at, at verse 33, he's urging them, eat, eat, break bread, give thanks. You're going to make it. Stay on the ship, right? He still is focused on those around him. He's not just selfishly knowing he's going to be okay. And I think as Christians, sometimes we get so inward focused. Well, I know I'm going to be all right. But there's people hurting and broken and dying all around us without the hope and knowledge and love of God. And by giving thanks, it helps us to stay focused on those around us. Golfers. Now, I'm a golfer. I, I love to golf. And uh, uh, I read a story about these two golfers who were golfing up in New York. And there was an older, they got paired together. They didn't know each other. Uh, that happens sometimes when you go to a golf course by yourself. They put you together. And there was an older golfer who was a very kind, uh, just a gentle man, very, very soft-spoken. And then there was this young guy. He was prideful. He was kind of arrogant. He was impatient. He thought he knew everything. And they got, they got paired together. And so the older golfer steps up and just hits a nice little ball down the fairway. Then the younger guy gets up, and, you know, he thinks he's all that. And he hits this ball, and it goes like this and then like this. Kind of like Brother Dan's ball when he played. No, I'm just kidding. I played golf with him, so it's a little joke we have. But he hit this ball out into the woods and, and never found it, so he had to hit again. And he's saying things under his breath. He's frustrated because he's lost his ball. And he got an eight on that hole when normally you want to get like a four or five on a hole, right? So it wasn't a good score. So the next hole, even worse. Lost another ball, hit a bad shot, and he's just frustrated and mad at the whole world. And at this particular course, you had to have a caddy. It was a special club, and so he had, they had caddies that would carry their golf bags and help them find their ball and tell them the shots and yardages and all those kind of things. So he didn't know what else to do, this young man, because he was so mad about his golf game. He just starts taking it out on his caddy. He's hollering at him, you know, telling him it's his fault, and you lost my ball, and you didn't tell me the right yardage, and this is your job. What are you doing? And every single shot, it was the caddy's fault. So after nine holes, the, the young golfer was upset, and he just fired the caddy. He said, you don't like me. I don't like you. We're not getting along. You're not good at this. You're not nice. Uh, anything. So good riddance to you. I'm going to carry my own bag and go on about my business. Several more holes went by. It was the old golfer and the young golfer, and neither one of them said a word. It's kind of that awkward silence. Anybody been in that awkward silence, right? So finally, the, the older gentleman wanted to break the silence, and he told this story. He said, several years ago, there was a kid from Yonkers that came up here and became a caddy. He was a sweet-natured boy, quick-witted, willing, and he had a nose for golf. 
Everybody liked him. His name was William. But there was something wrong with William. He had a club foot. He had a disability in his foot. But it didn't affect his caddying. It was a pleasure to go out with him. And there was this famous doctor who was a member of the club, and he became interested in William. And one day after building a relationship with him, he took him out for the winter, and he operated on his foot, and he fixed his foot. And so William returned to the club, and, and, he, and uh, the doctor had to give up golf because of his own health issues, and, and not long after that, he passed away. And so months and months later, this older golfer was playing around the golf, and William was his caddy. It was the springtime, and he describes the fields, and, and the, the hedges were alive and, and blooming. And he said every time between shots, he said William would stop and gather flowers. And he said after a few holes, he had this beautiful bouquet of flowers. And so finally the older gentleman asked him, he said, who's the girl, William? You know, thinking he's taking these, these flowers home to a, to a young lady. And William said, I haven't had any girl, sir. He said, these are for my friend, the doctor. He said, twice a week, I take flowers to his grave. That young golfer who he's telling this story to, son, now that's a caddy worth having. He said, whatever happened to him? And the older golfer paused and he said, you just fired him for nine holes. He was carrying your bag. I tell you that story because it causes us to kind of pause and reflect and say, what, what kind of person am I? How do I treat people around me? How, what, how would people describe me as a person? Am I a person that is thankful? Am I a person that gives gratitude? Or am I somebody who's always complaining and grumbling and, and those kind of things? Can I tell you this? Selfishness and thankfulness are both contagious. They rub off on those around you. If you're selfish all the time, worried about yourself all the time, the people around you are going to end up being that way. But if you're thankful all the time, people around you will be more thankful. They're both contagious. Here's the third point I want to make this morning, the final point. We have to know that there is a purpose and a plan for it to work for our good and for his good. I want you to understand that. There's an and there. You see, a lot of times when we go through this and we just throw out that word of God, all things work together for our good, well, that's true. But ultimately, it's for his good because God wants the glory for it, right? He, he desires the kingdom to be expanded and, and brought glory because of what he does for us. So in Acts 28, as Paul Harvey used to say, here's the rest of the story. Let me read it verse 1 in Acts chapter 28. Remember, they had shipwrecked. They all reached land in safety. Now it says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us this unusual kindness. They built a fire. They welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And verse 3, Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. And listen to this. This is, again, one of those everything's going well. We made it. We survived. Paul's gathering up a pile of wood. And as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. What does that mean? He got bit by a snake hard. It latched itself on his hand when he was putting that wood onto the fire. And so this viper, this, this snake hanging from his hand, the, the, the locals said to each other, this man is a murderer. He escaped from the sea, but now he got what he was, had coming. Justice is not allowing him to live. But Paul, I love this, shook off the snake. Everybody go like this. Just shake it off. He just shook off the snake. He didn't go, oh my gosh. There's a snake on me. It's a venomous, horrible, I'm going to die. What did he do? He just shook it off. Amen. He just shook it off in the fire. 
And some of y'all, when you go through your difficult time, you just need to get up and shake some things off. You need to shake that enemy off and say, that's not going to affect me. That's not going to harm me. That's not going to kill me. That's not going to put me under. It said Paul shook it off into the fire, and he suffered no ill effects. Nothing happened. So then what happened, verse 6, that people expected him to swell up or fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Anybody ever felt like that? Like people are just sitting there and watching you, waiting for you to die, (laughs) watching you to go under because of the mess that you're in? And that's what the people were doing. They were just waiting and watching for him to die. It was like NASCAR. They were just waiting for something bad to happen. But nothing happened. No ill effects. No sickness. He didn't swell up. Nothing happened. He shook the snake off in the fire. And then they said, oh, my. He must be a God. Look at verse 7. Here's the purpose and the plan that worked for not only for our good but for his good. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He was like the governor. He welcomed us to his home, and for three days, he entertained us and showed us uh, hospitality. Verse 8, his father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. So Paul went in to see him, and after prayer, placed his hands on him, and he was healed. He was healed. Verse 9, when this had happened, sometimes I read the word of God, and I'm like, why didn't they expand on this more? Verse 9, it just drops it in here. When this happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. I mean, doesn't it feel like that? It just kind of squeezed it in there. Oh, yeah, and everybody else came and got healed too. That's a big deal. These guys were shipwrecked on this island for a purpose. God brought power and glory and healing to that island through a difficult storm and situation. And not only was Publius' father healed, everybody that was sick on the island came, and they were healed. You see, God has a purpose in your pain. He has a plan and a promise for you. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 is where we say this all the time. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And can I tell everything that God has a purpose in every storm, every shipwreck, Every tragedy, every disease, every snake bite, every attack, God has a plan for his children. And we may not understand it. Why am I getting derailed over here? Why did I end up this way? Why did it have to go like that? But listen, can I tell you this morning, God doesn't make these things happen. There's a theology we need to understand there. But God does allow these things to happen. We live in a broken world. We we live in a world full of sin, so bad things are going to happen. When we become believers, he doesn't promise us that we're going to live in this bubble and everything's going to be perfect and there won't be any difficult times. There's going to be times. But as a believer, thank God we have God to lean on during those times. I can't imagine not being a believer and going through a difficult time today. I can't imagine going through a storm without a promise. I can't imagine going through a challenge without a word from God. And so I don't believe that God causes all these things to happen, but he allows them to happen because God wants to use them for our good and ultimately for his good. I don't believe God does chance or fate or luck or happenstance or any of those kind of things. I don't believe that. 
I believe there is a divine purpose for everything that happens in our lives. And for Paul, it was this shipwreck at Malta. I mean, what if they never went through the storm and they just made it to Rome? Paul went to trial and he was sentenced to death. Think of this island and all these people. Did you know the island of Malta is still there today? Has one of the oldest churches in that area still active on that island today. Still reaching people for Christ today because of a storm and a shipwreck and a tragic situation that God used for good. Can I tell you, you may not see tomorrow the effects of the promise. It may not be next week. It may not be next month. It may be after you're long gone that God uses what you went through to be a blessing and encouragement and help to someone else. You never know God's timing. And the blessings that come out of those trials and those challenges we experience may not be immediately obvious to us. But we have to hold firm to the truth of the word of God. And in God's time, they will. So can I just close with this thought this morning? We can always find something to be thankful for. No matter how bad things are. If we will allow thankfulness to be a foundation of our lives, when these difficult situations come our way, it'll be a natural thing to just give thanks. If it becomes a part of who you are. So when in doubt, give thanks. When it feels like life has you by its horns, give thanks. No matter the situation, give thanks. The psalm says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. If you still have breath, you can give thanks and praise the Lord. Be thankful for the difficult times. In those difficult times, it's where God helps you grow and become closer to him. Be thankful for your limitations. Be thankful for those things that you think hold you back. Because those are opportunities to see God at work. Because when you're weak, God is strong. Helps you to be humble. Be thankful for the challenges that come your way because it builds your character. It strengthens you. And listen, be thankful for your mistakes. Because you'll allow God to work through your mistakes. You'll learn some valuable lessons. I'll close with this story. Paul Harvey. I love listening to his stories. He said it was gratitude that prompted this old man to come down to this broken down pier on the eastern coast of Florida every Friday night, once a month, or I'm sorry, every Friday night, every month until his death. And he would come walking slowly. He was kind of stooped over, and he'd walk all the way to the end of this pier carrying this bucket of shrimp. And he'd walk down to the end of the pier, and the seagulls would just flock to him, and he would feed them one by one a shrimp from this bucket. Every Friday night, this older man would do this until he passed away. His name was Captain Eddie Rickenbacker. And in October of 1942, he was on a mission in his B-17 to deliver a message in New Guinea. And somewhere over the South Pacific, their flying fortress became lost, and they lost radio contact. They ran out of fuel, and they ditched their plane into the ocean. And for nearly a month, Eddie and his companions floated in these two life rafts they fought the waves the weather the scorching sun they had many sleepless nights as sharks would ram their 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 life rafts and the he talks about their greatest enemy though wasn't the sharks wasn't the sun wasn't he said it was starvation starving to death was their greatest enemy after eight days they had lost all their rations and now they knew that only a miracle could save them 
So listen to Eddie's words. He said, Cherry, that was the B-17 pilot, Captain William Cherry, read the service that afternoon, and he said, we finished with prayer for deliverance and a hymn of praise. First of all, I'm just in awe of that. They're stranded after being crashed into the ocean, ran out of rations, and they're still having services. And all the excuses we have to miss church these days. That's another message for another day. He said, there was some talk, but it tapered off in the oppressive heat. He said, I pulled my hat down over my eyes to keep the glare out. And he said, I dozed off. Then something landed on my head. He said, I knew it was a seagull. I don't know how I knew, but I just knew. And he said, I opened my eyes and everybody else knew too. He said, no one said a word, but they peered out from under his brim. And he said, without moving my head, I could see that the expression on their faces, they were staring at that gull and that seagull meant food. If only we could catch it. And he said, the rest, as they say, is history. Captain Eddie caught the gull. They were able to eat part of it to sustain themselves. But greater than that, they were able to keep part of it and used it for bait to catch fish and sustain themselves for days and days from that one seagull. The survivors were sustained. Their hopes were renewed because of this lone seagull for some unexplained reason landed on Captain Eddie's head. And Paul Harvey says this, you know that Captain Eddie made it. You also know that he never forgot. Because every Friday evening at about sunset on a lonely stretch of eastern Florida coast for more than 20 years, you could see an old man walking white-haired, slightly bent, with a bucket filled with shrimp to feed the gulls. To remember that one special goal on a day long past gave himself without a struggle like manna in the wilderness that they might live. Why do I tell you that story? Eddie Rickenbacker showed gratitude for 20 years to mark an event that saved his life. And if you're a Christian and a believer here today, there was one greater than a seagull that gave his life for us. There was an event where Jesus Christ died on a cross, was placed in a tomb for three days and rose again victoriously. And if we're a believer today, we've called on that name and we've confessed our sins and we've asked Jesus to be our Lord and Savior and if we've done that that alone is enough to be thankful for every single day to be provided for us but if we're not grateful and we don't give thanks to God you know what happens it has the opposite effect on us the Bible says in Romans 121 for although they knew God they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him and their thanking became foolish and their hearts were darkened honor what happens if you don't give thanks to God if you don't glorify him if we don't honor him a lack of thankfulness darkens our hearts and it widens that gap between God and us would you bow your heads with me this morning I want to close with a time of prayer heavenly father I thank you for your word today I'm thankful, God, for your word. I'm grateful for the challenges it speaks to us. To be joyful always. To pray continually. To give thanks in all circumstances. For this is your will for us through Christ Jesus. 
I want to ask everybody here just to stand with me this morning. And just in your, in your own way, is, can we play something for a minute? Thanks, Sandra. Just in your own words, let's just take a moment. I, I know what time it is, and we probably got busy days planned. It's 12 o'clock straight up, and we'll be out of here in just a couple of minutes. But I just think it's appropriate for each one of us in our own way, in our own words, as some music is played, would you just, if it's lifting your hands, if it's kneeling, if it's coming to the front, whatever that looks like for you, but let's just take a moment and give thanks to God today. Let's thank him regardless of our circumstances and our surroundings and our storms, that he is good, that we're saved, that we're free today. Let's just take a moment and do that this morning together as a church body.